This happened two nights ago, so I'm still replaying it over and over in my head. I thought this would be a good place to share. I'm a pretty predictable person with a predictable schedule, so I'm not sure if this was a random occurrence or if someone knew my nightly routine. I'm a 35-year-old woman. My husband Rob gets up for work hours before me, so he goes to bed before I do. I usually get to bed a few hours after he does, around the same time every night. I turn off the lights and the TV in the living room and take my dog to the back door to let her out. The door leads to a large deck outside. Off to the right of the deck is a few steps down and a small path to a gate, which we always keep chained and locked. Every single night before opening the door, I peek out of the window right next to it without disturbing the blinds and flip on the deck light. I never expect anyone to be there and we've never had a problem with anyone trespassing or trying to break in. It's just something I do every night. Kinda like peeking behind the shower curtain before I pee. I know no one is back there, but if I don't check, then that's gonna be the one time that there is actually someone hiding there, you know? Hey, I watch a ton of horror movies, and it's pitch black outside at night where I live. So a few nights ago, I got ready for bed, went to the back door with my dog slowly following behind me, and peeked out the window. I flipped on the light. My heart jumped into my throat when I saw a skinny, dirty guy in his 30s or 40s standing off to the side of the door, facing it. I see him raise his arm up and hold a screwdriver above his head as soon as the light went on, preparing for someone to open the door. I screamed, Rob, get up, get the gun, as loud as I could, which startled the guy, and he jumped over the rail of the deck and ran. My husband ran out of our bedroom with his gun. He called the police, and they showed up within five minutes. They drove around trying to find the guy, but no luck. The guy broke the lock on our gate to get in. He also pried open the back screen door, which we always kept locked as well. If I would have opened that door without looking out first, I might be dead. I don't know if I caught that guy trying to break in, or if he was waiting for me to open the door like I do every night. Either way, it was fucking terrifying. My parents are buying us outdoor security cameras this week as an early birthday present for Rob. A little background on myself first. I have anxiety and depression, which is common, it's not a big deal, and I manage it efficiently. I had recently been in an abusive relationship. From 2010 to 2013, I had finally gotten away. He was never charged, but he left me alone when I ended it. So it had been a year. I decided it might be time to try the dating scene again. So it's 2014. I'm 19, coming up for 20, at the short height of 5 feet and half an inch. I had been speaking to people online via dating apps like Tinder, etc., mainly to pass the time. I wasn't exactly ugly, I have an average figure, a baby face, blue eyes and brown hair which I dyed blonde after a breakup. Typical thing to do, I suppose. I never wanted something serious, 
I had always made that clear. Yet I was never quick to hook up either, because I never wanted to make a name for myself. I'm not saying girls who sleep with many men are in the wrong. Just a personal life choice. Anyway, I was speaking to this guy who I knew from an old friend, Harry. Harry was 25, so he was six years older than me. I thought he would be more mature. He had ginger hair and blue eyes, and was about six feet two. So Harry seemed really cool. We spoke a fair bit, and he seemed interested in the casual side of things. Just hanging out, seeing what happened, etc. It sounded perfect. Nothing serious. No expectations. I eventually met up with Harry. We went to the cinema, watched X-Men, and sat in uncomfortable silence. I had to travel six to seven miles to the cinema as I was in a different town. I didn't mind as I'd wanted to see the new X-Men film for a while. Anyhow, we went back to Harry's for some food and a few beers, and we had a laugh and joked around. It was late and the buses to my town had stopped running, so when Harry said I could sleep on his sofa in his room, I said sure, why not? I changed into one of his t-shirts and some tracksuit bottoms he said I could wear in the bedroom and curled up on the horribly uncomfortable leather sofa at the bottom of his bed. When I awoke, I was somehow in his bed. Nothing had happened. I was still in the clothes he lent me. When I asked him why I was there, he simply stated, You looked uncomfortable. I realized afterwards you should have slept in the bed, not me. Oh, what a gentleman, I thought. So I went home shortly afterwards, and we texted a few times. A few days later, Harry invited me to a house party. I thought, what the heck, it had been months since I actually parted, and had fun, so I went. The music was loud, and the drinks flowed quickly. By 12am, I was drunk, very drunk, and I decided it would be a great idea to drag Harry up to his room and sleep with him. The next day, we discussed what it meant, and I stated I didn't want anything serious. But I felt we were comfortable enough to be friends with benefits, and see where it went. Harry agreed, and we continued sleeping together once a week for about a month. For clarification, I explained to Harry that I could separate my emotions from sex. He said he could do the same and didn't feel any romantic feelings for me. It seemed perfect for just casual sex with someone I could trust. So I'm casually at home, and I get a relationship request on Facebook. Weird, right? I looked at the request and it was from Harry. I instantly messaged him and asked him what the hell was going on. He quickly texted me back saying it was for a joke, he was sorry. I should have ended it there, but honestly the sex was alright. He was good company, and I enjoyed being around him. However, I had not developed romantic feelings for him. I couldn't see it going anywhere, and Harry knew this. I had clarified it with him too, so I shrugged it off and went to Harry's home for our weekly sex. After the sex, Harry started to cuddle me, which never happened. Usually we would have sex, a cigarette, talk for an hour or so, then I'd go home. 
He wrapped his arm around my shoulders and told me he loved me. I shot away from him and said, Harry, you knew this wouldn't lead to anything. You know I don't feel the same way about you. I'm sorry, but this isn't going to work anymore. I quickly started getting dressed to leave. I felt like an asshole, but I had made this clear. As I grabbed my bag to leave, he pinned me against the wall and slammed his fist into the plasterboard, making an indentation in the flaky material. My heart pounded. Was he going to hit me? After recently leaving an abusive relationship in 2013, it brought back too many memories for me. You can't leave. I love you. He pleaded. I pushed him as hard as I could and ran. As I got downstairs, Harry was stood at the top of the stairs crying. I didn't care at this point. I had alarm bells ringing and needed to get out of there. As I left, I bumped into Harry's sister at the bus stop. I tried to hide, but she saw me. Coming back from seeing my brother, eh? You two are a couple goals. She smiled and waved at me as she walked down the road towards her house. Couple goals? We weren't even together. A week later, Harry texted me apologizing, said his behavior was out of character, and it would never happen again. I said it wouldn't happen again because I am not seeing him in person again. He understood and apologized profusely. We spoke about football, a new girl he was talking to, etc. He began asking for advice on how to talk to this girl who didn't know how he felt. I told him, be honest, take a chance and see where you end up. I fell asleep quickly that night. The next morning I woke up to ten messages, not short ones like, Hey, you okay? Paragraphs to the point I had to click on the message bubble on my iPhone to see it all. Harry sent me paragraphs saying how much he loved me, how I was the most beautiful girl in the world, and how he wanted me to be his wife. I shot up out of bed and ran to my cousin in the next room. She read the messages and told me to tell him to stop or I'd block him. So I did. Every day he would send me massive paragraphs, saying how much he loved me and cared for me and how much of a good person I was. I tried ignoring him, or fobbing him off with, <laughs> but it got too much, so I blocked his number and his social media accounts. By too much, I mean every day I would get massive paragraphs about how much he loved me, he missed me, how he wanted to fuck me again, etc., Soon I began talking to a guy called Tyler. We chatted every day. It had been a month and a half of talking, and meeting up, and I had not slept with him. I told Tyler I was getting feelings, and Tyler said they were reciprocated. We put our relationship status on social media, and began to have a relationship. A day after putting my new relationship status on social media... Harry messaged me off his sister's account. He screenshotted the message he sent to his sister from his profile and sent me the image of the message. He said how he would wait for me because we had some good memories and good times and he wouldn't throw that away. I quickly blocked his sister's account. Now, Harry had never been to my house. I refused to let him know where I lived. 
I came home from work one day, and my auntie said to me, Oh, a young man called Harry was here for you. I told him you was working and would be back about five. I quickly explained the situation to my auntie, who apologized and promised she wouldn't let him in the house. A few days later, it was about 10 p.m., and I was sat in the garden with my cousin, drinking a glass of wine after a few rough days of working. We were gossiping about boys, life, etc. My phone began to ring. It was an unknown number, but I was used to Tyler calling off of his work phone, which came up as an unknown caller. I quickly answered it. It was Harry. He was drunk, his words slurred, as he told me he was walking to my house with a knife. If he couldn't have me, nobody would. I quickly ran inside to my auntie, who called up her boyfriend who used to work as a bouncer. He quickly came over and I stayed up all night, petrified with my auntie, her boyfriend, and my cousin. I hadn't heard from Harry in weeks. Thinking the ordeal was over, I began to forget a little about Harry. Until Tyler rang me one day, saying he received so many threats and horrible messages, so did his mother and sister. He had threatened to rape Tyler's sister, threatened to kill Tyler's mother. He sent Tyler pictures of the house his family lived in. So Tyler was obviously petrified for his family. He broke it off with me, which I understood. Tyler had a lot going on. He was in the army and didn't need to be worrying about his sister's or mother's well-being whilst away. It was sad, as I did really like him, but I thought, honestly, I'd do the same in that situation. Harry didn't message me for a bit, until he sent me a picture off of a number I didn't know, of me shopping in town. He captioned it with, Are you buying some underwear to surprise me with, baby? I blocked the number. I was angry. How dare he invade my privacy like this? I went to the police and told them what had happened. All I was told was to block him. They couldn't do anything, as apparently it's hard to do much with harassment cases until they actually do something. But I was encouraged to keep a diary of it happening, and at least the police had knowledge of the incidents. Frustrated and disappointed, I went home defeated. I logged into Facebook to see a friend request from a profile that had no friends, apart from Harry's account. I declined and removed my social media account. I changed my number and moved into my own place a few weeks later. I had mutual friends with Harry, so with this happening, they split down the middle. Some of the guys blamed me and some of his female friends said I was to blame for Harry's behavior. Others stuck by me and said Harry had turned into an obsessed freak, which it did seem that way. It's been two years, and I haven't heard from Harry since, but it always stuck with me and made me so cautious. I never had casual sex with somebody after that. I'm happy in a relationship now, but I made sure when I met him, I took two friends and never let him know my address until we had been together for three months. I still think sometimes maybe Harry got bored, or maybe he found another girl to harass and scare. I hope not. 
I hope Harry got help because Harry clearly had some issues. So Harry, let's not meet again because if we do, I am stronger now and would probably give you a swift kick to your balls. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. The story goes back a few years ago when I was a 17-year-old high school student. Every day, I'd walked a 25 or 30-minute journey to and from school. There was a shortcut I could take home that took some time off the walk, and as a nature lover, the shortcut was very enjoyable. Whenever I'd walk home alone, I would take this shortcut to enjoy the small amount of forest we have in the medium-sized, moderately busy city I live in. My shortcut was pretty well-traveled, and I would occasionally see other people walking from their neighborhood towards the busy streets close by, or other students walking home from my high school or the college. Sometimes, there would be no one but me on the path. To give you an idea, the path definitely was not groomed, but it was traveled enough you could make out a path from being trampled over the years. The shortcut started off from the busy road by my high school and went into a low-lying open wooded area with some small ponds. After a few minutes of this, I could veer right up the big hill towards a street parallel to my street. One day, I was walking home from school after staying a bit late for extra help. A few minutes into my shortcut, I noticed a guy standing off the main path a bit, seemingly minding his own business and talking on his cell phone. There was an open backpack sitting on the ground right by his feet. This wasn't unusual by any means since the entire low-lying area is traveled and there are numerous paths off the main path leading different directions. Sometimes people would stand off the busy road while waiting for the bus stop nearby, not wanting to stand in all the traffic fumes while people sped by during rush hour. The only thing I took caution of was that I had been seeing him there a few times that week and had never seen him before. But oh well, maybe he was a college student or just moved into the area. This time, walking on the shortcut felt different though, possibly because there was no one else on the path today. But I started to get this bad feeling in my stomach, the one everyone has a hard time describing, but most people know too well. Something was not right. I was already well along my shortcut though, and decided to blame my feelings on me being paranoid. I kept an eye on him out of my peripheral vision, and he continued to talk in his cell phone and didn't seem suspicious. So I continued on my merry way. I must have walked 20 or 25 meters away when the guy stopped talking on his phone, and I felt an even bigger feeling of dread in my gut. I turned around to see him crouched over, 
phone gone, fidgeting around with some sort of cloth and a brown glass bottle. Before I had a second to register what the fuck he was doing, his head shoots up in my direction, and the look in his eyes is a terrifying mix between I've been caught and I'm not stopping now. He drops everything, leaving his shit behind, and starts sprinting straight for me, cloth in hand. At this point, I'm too far away from the busy road for anyone to see me in the low-lying woodland with this crazy fuck, and I'm too far away to scream bloody murder. My first instinct in that split-second decision is to run towards my neighborhood. I decided this all as I turned around, throwing my heavy backpack on the ground and sprinting as fast as I could, starting up the hill towards my neighborhood. Judging by appearance, this guy looked like he could break me into two with no effort, and I trusted my flight response more than my fight response. Plus, I didn't know what the fuck he had in his hand. All throughout school, I had been a top cross-country and track runner in my entire school. My running had been my savior on a few other let's-not-meet-worthy occasions. But soon into the chase, I knew it wouldn't be enough this time. (laughs) This guy was fucking fast as shit, and I could tell he was slowly gaining on me without even looking back. I finally see some fenced-in backyards up ahead, and hoping people are home from work, I started trying to scream as much as I could with my out-of-breath, useless voice. I make a split decision to start jumping fences up people's yards, hoping this guy's hurtling skills are shittier than his running. The first fence throws him off, but by the second into the next yard, he is on my ass, and I feel him come insanely close to grabbing my leg. I am shitting myself at this point. I see no cars in driveways, no sign of anyone home, And the only thing that is keeping me from panicking and wiping out in my exhausted state is thinking that I may not ever see my family or friends again. The next yard belongs to people I know rather well, including their dog. This house was on the street parallel to mine, and I've come to know their dog rather well since they recently moved in. My friend hated the shortcut, and sometimes I would walk to school with her down the hill to the busy street. This dog was huge and an absolute maniac, and usually, when kids were walking to school, they would put him in the backyard instead of their front yard, since he would growl and scare the crap out of the kids walking by while he was tied outside. I love animals, so every time we'd walk by, I'd talk calmly to him through his menacing barks. Every time, he'd be slightly less vicious to me, until one day, the nice people who lived there gave me a treat to give to him. After that, the dog was a nice stop on the way to school. The dog's name is Leo. With that next yard and my newly acquired friend in sight, I had never felt hope like I did in that moment. By some insane stroke of luck, they let him out in their backyard for the afternoon while they were at work. When Leo saw me frantically running towards him, he started wagging his tail, then looked to the guy chasing close behind me, and he started growling. I thought this would be enough to get the guy to fuck off, but it wasn't. He started to jump over the fence the second after I did, but the dog jumped up and his teeth came so close to his face 
that the creep fell backwards into the other yard, straight on his ass. The creep and I stared at each other, out of breath for a few seconds, while the dog was barking and jumping like mad at the fence towards him. Maybe he was assessing if he could take on Leo or not. I prayed the creep didn't have a knife. The guy looked angrier than I've ever seen a person, and after a few seconds, got up and started running back down the hill from where we came. I sat there for a few seconds in complete shock and couldn't move, until my hero started licking my face. I snapped out of it and ran to the back door and started pounding. They obviously weren't home, or else they probably would have heard what just went down. My house was close, so I jumped the fence and ran the rest of the way home and called the cops to investigate and try to find the guy. I gave them the best description I could after coming practically face to face with him. The dude's bag was gone, and so was every trace of him. They found my poor backpack in a muddy puddle, and the police told me they'd keep looking. I never saw that guy again. I didn't hear anything more about it, and after calling the office a few times, I gave up. They told me during that time, they had received sketchy reports over the last few months, and there were a few missing person cases. But in a city like the one I'm from, you can never connect anything like that for sure. The more I thought about it over the years, the more fucked up it is, and the more confused I am. First, if he was trying to kidnap me, why didn't he think of a better way to grab and snatch me into the forest before I had the chance to get away, or before another trail goer possibly walked by? He didn't appear to have a weapon on him, or anything except that creepy cloth, and what the hell did he have in his hand? A friend thought it may have been chloroform, but I did research on it, and apparently, it's more of a myth that pouring it on a rag and covering a person's face causes them to faint very quickly. Plus, where the hell would you get it anyway? Thanks to that asshole, I never walked that shortcut anymore without at least two friends and a pepper spray or some sort of protection. So, sex trade kidnapper, amateur stalker, serial killer, whatever the fuck you are, let's never ever meet again. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.